It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's weird. It's great. I think I need to pick different music. No, so I, so I, <laughs> hey guys, thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm here joined with Natasha Holden. Um, but I was going to make fun of this music for a second because <laughs> I was writing a song for us to use and then I just never finished it. And so I was like, well, I need music. I can't use the same music. This is a new season. So I just was like, uh, yeah, this one. He picked this. It's it's a very Yuli song to pick, I feel like. <laughs> I like the jazzy feel, so I want it, that. It, it's really jazzy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but before we jump too far into this, um, I did want to say, and feel free to add on to this too, this <clears throat> might not be the episode for everybody. So the, te- the topic that we're talking about today is sex trafficking. And that's a very dark topic that could be very difficult for a lot of people. It's difficult for me. Uh, I had to read a book before I, we did this one. You and gave I, him homework. I didn't like it. <laughs> I don't recommend anyone read this book. But if this is something that you're very sensitive to, um, I would consider not listening to this one. You don't hear me say that very often. Um, but I think it's very important for us to talk about and for people to be have some understanding of it. Um, yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think awareness is key. Uh, it's kind of like anything, like you don't know until you know. And so it's always good to be aware, but just you'll have to be in a space to prepare yourself for a tough topic. And so it's not always the case for everyone. And some sometimes you're just not in a place to uh, to dive into something really heavy. Yeah, and it might be come back to this one later, too. Yeah. And so what I, what I will say, too, just to give an idea leading into this episode, is what we're, what, what the goal of this is not to get super graphic or detailed yeah, or disgusting. No. <laughs> the whole thing is disgusting, and it's horrible. No one, we shouldn't have to think about these things, but it's a reality that exists, and I think it's important, like you said, to have some awareness of this. Um. And so with that, the scope here is to kind of like talk a little bit more and kind of demystify some things about it. Because I know even for me, before doing all this homework, <laughs> I had an idea of what this was. And it was like different categories of things that we'll get into. But I, a lot of it that I thought wasn't true or it was just misguided. You know, I didn't really understand it. So I was like, I think this is important for us to talk about and have an idea of what exactly is this? What does it look like? Um, is a general, like a, a, a larger scale idea? And then the question, like, where's God? <laughs> big, you know. It's a big question. <laughs> but before we jump into that, too, who the, who the heck are you? <laughs> Hello. As Paul said, I am Natasha. Um, I am someone who is just very, very passionate about this uh, subject. Um, and I, I just, I guess, yeah, I just have a huge heart for it. Um, in college, I didn't really know anything about human trafficking and sex trafficking. And I just kind of stumbled upon the information and it just totally devastated me. And so um, I, it was just something that I just kept 
learning more about, and I ended up getting a degree with research and social work that was specific to this um, line of work, and I have, um, I started a ministry in college that advocated against human trafficking and uh, taught people about the realities of it and how to get involved and what to do. And um, I got involved in the uh, local aftercare program as well, and I was there for several years working with women who were uh, coming out of the industry. And um, I've just continued my education since then and have continued my involvement in just really caring for these ladies and all of that, but... It's good. I don't know if you need any more clarity. <laughs> I'm very awkward talking about myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm not great at it. It's a, it's a hard topic sometimes because you don't want to sound like you're being like braggy or anything, but it's like, no. we, we're curious. We want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I start listing off all my accomplishments. I got an award. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's cool. <laughs> no, but that's good. And it, it's, it's, it's good to know that it's like... We're not talking to just someone who's like, oh, yeah, I watched the documentary once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saw this documentary one time, expert. <laughs> I clearly know everything about this. But with all that said, this is a hard, heavy topic. And like all hard, heavy topics on this, on this Tipsy Theology podcast, we, we got a drink. <laughs> yes, so, please. Today, I... I don't know if there's anything behind it. You just said you like rum, and I like dark and stormy. It's one of my favorite drinks. So that's what we're drinking today. Great. You've I've, never had one before? I've never had one. All right, sweet. So I told her I was getting a little snobbish. So for anyone, if you guys haven't had a dark and stormy, it's a ginger beer with dark rum. And if you want to get real crazy about it, I this is where I, di- this is where I like move a little bit because Gosling... Um, it's their rum. They're like, this is the only way to make it dark and stormy. And they like trademarked it and whatever. They're like, anything else isn't a dark and stormy. It could be a dark and stormy, but not a dark and stormy. <laughs> it's weird. But anyway, I like so their specific. rum. <laughs> it's crazy. It, you're supposed to make it with their ginger beer too, but uh, it's too sweet for me and I don't like it. So I use Fever Tree because it's got like a nice like gingery bite to it. It's delicious. But you got that. And I was telling them this is my snobby side. Is some people just bring it and it's like a like a brown like an amber brown kind of look, and I'm like, if someone delivers it to you like that, throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have like the ginger beer in the bottom and then the dark rum on the top, and then mix it yourself. That's how you know it's good. But anyway, let's drop this let's drop this lime in here, and uh, you just kind of squeeze that bad boy, and then you got to stir it because that's how you know it's good. And I. Having you wait because I want a full live reaction. I'm and staring at my drink for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's water now. <laughs> but I love the idea, and it's, that's what I want. Is like I, I've been doing this with some of the drinks. It's like what's like the the flavor profile that you get out of it and stuff. I'm usually completely wrong compared to what their website tells me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Uh, so take a sip. Let's see what we got. What is it? Oh, that's amazing. Nice. Love that. I'm not going to lie. It kind of reminds me of a rum and coke. How dare you? <laughs> I do not have a good flavor palette, apparently. <laughs> no, it's fair. There's, it's the, the carbonation, I think, kind of adds that. Yeah, but I do like the ginger kick. It's a nice aftertaste. Yeah. I, that's what I love about it. There's like the sweetness of the rum. Mm-hmm. 
And then the ginger beer just kind of like kicks you in the butt. And it's like, let's go. Gets you. <laughs> it's right up there. So, yeah, that's a quick one because we, we got a lot to talk about today. We do. To anybody who's listening, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. I always say it's like if they make it through the drink part of it, they're here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to be here for a while, I think we'll be here for a while. Grab yourself a dark and stormy. And let's let's jump into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh boy, I'm not. I I will tell you. So, like I said, she gave me homework to do. So I read this book. I'm not even gonna say the title because I don't recommend anyone read it. <laughs> if you want to get involved, or if you want to educate yourself, it's a great yeah. book. But it is a heavy book. Yeah, and that actually that's a good point you bring up too. Um, this. I guess the point of this episode too is more so for general awareness mm-hmm. and ideas and not for people that are really wanting to get into it. It might be helpful for that if it's something you have an interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're not trying to get crazy. <laughs> no. But I think it's important because, I mean, so with like human trafficking, which I know you already told me is a pretty broad thing to say. Very. So it's like, what is what is that? And then... Narrow it down to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. How long do we have? Um, <clears throat> 20 so, minutes for this one question. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, the federal, I have the federal definition in front of me, so excuse me for reading. But um, basically, uh, human trafficking like, is basically uh, what someone does illegally to recruit, entice, obtain, provide, solicit, patronize, move or harbor a person um, or to benefit from such activities, knowing that the person will be caused to engage in commercial acts where the, for the United States as commercial sex acts where the person is under 18 or where force and fraud or coercion exists. Um, and it doesn't require either the defendant or the victim, to actually travel. Um, A commercial sex act is just any sex act on the account of which anything of value is given or received by a person, like an an exchange. I won't Mm. go down the list of what all these things are, (laughs) because that can get into some more explicit stuff. But um, human trafficking in general um, is is what is considered modern-day slavery. Mm. And I know that that term can be a little weird. We thought that slavery was abolished in, like, the 1860s. And um, and in a lot of ways, in the United States, it was not. And I know that our country has its own dark history with slavery, and I mm. don't want to not acknowledge that. And there's yeah. crazy ways where, like, it still exists in our prison systems and how it never really left us there either. And so... While that is a form of modern-day slavery and human trafficking, that's not what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, globally, it's a giant issue. Um, there's lots of ways to traffic somebody, but it's initially someone being owned and sold. And there's uh, a much, which we'll get into it, but there's a much more modern way of that looking like than maybe what we would have initially yeah. Thought it to be. It's true, because I, I know, at least for me, I've 
I've got the idea of just like the guy in the trench coat. <laughs> it's like the look van. Out, look out for the van. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, so I know because what we're talking about is more. Would it be better to say we're talking more about like sex trafficking? Yeah. So today we're talking specifically about sex trafficking in the United States um, yeah. with United States citizens. Mm-hmm. Because but human trafficking in general can be broader than just sex. Yes. Okay. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much yes. <laughs> I, uh, oh gosh, total side note, but I did a whole educational show a couple times and this isn't the amount, there's plenty of ways to, of modern day slavery, but there's, I educated on 10 different types. Mm. So, and that, you know, I went from labor trafficking and, you know, domestic servitude, mm. uh, you think about like sweatshops. Oh, yeah. Child soldiers, like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of different types of trafficking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, modern day slavery is not just in the form of sex trafficking, but it is a type of modern day slavery. Okay, that's good to know. And uh, the reason I ask that too is because, at least for me, I'm answering this. Hopefully, this is more than just me. But if it's just me, that's great. <laughs> at least I know. Um, I I kind of put those two things together like they're essentially the same thing it's like human trafficking sex trafficking same thing <laughs> it's the most well known I think yeah I think it's the most talked about out of out of all or the most I guess connected to those things mm-hmm. but so with that because like you said we're gonna be talking about like the US stuff which is like at least at least for me in my brain I'm sure a lot of people like this it's like oh this doesn't happen here right. it happens you know out there somewhere. <laughs> I think that's always the biggest shock for every person is yeah. you really just want to think it's out there and I'm it's in not a, safe a home neighborhood. Issue. It doesn't yeah. happen here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, so um, first shocker of the night, it is very <laughs> prevalent in the United States. Uh, it's not just, you know, kids coming over the borders that we need to think about or people being brought overseas. Um, it is something that happens to our children in our neighborhoods, like from our schools. Uh, and it's, it's not by being kidnapped. It's by a lot of coercion and manipulation and brainwashing. And um, I don't know where we are in like getting into explaining it, but um, yeah, it is, it is a very prevalent issue in our nation. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of discussion about uh, prostitution and pornography, and like it just gets into all of that and how involved mm-hmm. choices in that. That's a way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's. I think that's what makes it scary, though, is because like a lot of those things have become a little bit more. Um, I guess like consumer friendly mm-hmm. <laughs> in some way to say that. Sure. It's become more Accessible. available and like normalized in some ways. Sure. It's like the taboo around it has kind of been taken down or it's, yeah, well, it, it's not as scary as, as we once thought it to be in some ways. Are you talking about prostitution or? Yeah. In porno- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I was like, 
Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, sex trafficking is normal? Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's an everyday no, society. No, no. So, yeah, about prostitution and pornography in particular, those two things. I think we've made them, like, not really that scary or not that big of a deal. Right. Well, and it's the thing of, like, if we get into talking about feminism and the women's right to her own body and, like, choice involved, and I think there's a huge conversation around the word choice and being able to choose that without it like being criminalized or looked down on, but I personally think is still missing the whole point and the dark side of the industry. Yeah, and I know that's probably won't get like super into that. I know I can say dark side of the industry without having. To. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But so I mean, that's a good question because you brought that up. So like, is there a difference between like quote unquote prostitution and someone who's been trafficked? Like, so is there, is it's there a such very a thing highly like, debatable? It's okay. a very highly, de- so it, um, depending on who you ask, uh, there's my biggest issue with researching the topic is no credited research paper is going to give you the same percentage of anything. Mm. So I, I won't really be talking in numbers because I don't believe there are accurate numbers. Mm. Um, it was the bane of my existence trying to do any research. <laughs> I would cry <laughs> all the time. Yeah. But the thing is, is it's, it's argued that most, and I've heard as low as 85% and up to like 98%. So like most mm. of um, the people who are being sex trafficked or like people who are in prostitution are trafficked. Mm. And so... Basically, uh, like anybody who's come out of the life, because I've talked to multiple ladies, they'll say, yeah, like there are some few who Mm. do choose it and Mm. who do want to be there. But for the most part, anybody who is uh, is considered a prostitute is most likely being sex trafficked. Mm. Um, Because there is much more demand for the industry than there is a supply. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know if that really answers your question. So, like, you're not going, yeah, yeah, you're not going to go find a prostitute and likely believe that she is an an ownership of her own body Mm -hmm. or their body. There's a a very, very, very high chance that this person, hopefully you guys are not out there buying prostitutes, that'd be kind of weird. We have another talk. (laughs) Surprise! another talk <laughs> she might not be choosing it but that's i mean that's the thing is like that person is most likely or if would this extend to like you going to like a strip club or something like that and it's like these people have not necessarily chosen this thing mm-hmm. i don't know if that's slightly different nope strip clubs pornography prostitution like the whole i'm not saying there are people who don't choose but the vast majority mm-hmm. are not people that are doing this out of their own volition. Yep. They might think so. Mm-hmm. Because they've, we'll get into that part, too. <laughs> you say that. Yeah. I mean, we might as well just get into it. That's what we're here for. But I think it's important to kind of define some of these things. And with that, I think it's important to say that it's like when, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like when we're saying someone is trafficked, that means like there is someone who's basically, who owns this person, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're in control of what happens. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. <laughs> and it, it's what's important about that, too, in that, yeah, it's, it's, it's the idea that 
because we we we're very good at focusing on what we see, and what we see are the people. We see the prostitutes. We don't see are the people pulling the strings in the back. Yes, and so I yeah, and that's huge. I mean, one I think that um, especially with the way that it's portrayed in media and just how it's been talked about, like it's it's always been talked about as in someone who's a prostitute chooses the life. And usually, like, you talk about someone who, like, goes through medical school, medical school and, like, chooses to become a stripper or to become a prostitute to, like, help pay for the bills, right? Like, yeah. you, that, you know, you talk about agency and choice in that. Or, you, you know, you talk about a mom with kids who doesn't know how to pay the bills and she'll mm-hmm. go and out and do some survival sex in order to, like... Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, there's... And in both those scenarios, like, obviously the person trying to get through school has more of a choice in that scenario than the mom who is trying to make do with her kids but Mm -hmm. even even in that like um i was going with that but (laughs) (laughs) uh but i mean there's there's lots of reasons for someone to like get in there but once once you are in the life it is very hard to stay in there without a pimp because they Mm. kind of own I'm going to say like the word track, which is like a a circuit of an area where you're Mm -hmm. likely to be buying and pimping and all of that stuff. But if you're on a track and you're there, like, and this pimp owns the track, like it's really hard for you to be in that area without someone trying to recruit you and take you on. Okay. So, yeah. So if you're involved in that, there's a very good chance that you're going to be just Looped in somewhere, Completely but that's not loaded. usually how it starts, but it yeah, can so, happen if you choose it. I mean, that's that's a great question. So how does someone typically become trafficked? All right, that's like a big chocolate of the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'm, I'm specifically talking about within the United States because uh, if we're looking overseas or other places, there are plenty of other types of recruitment tactics. Um, but for here, uh, we'll start with the average age. Um, an average age of a person starting the life of a prostitute in this country is between the ages of 12 to like 14. I know. It's like, every, I, that's a bomb I, I every knew time. the answer you are going to give too because we talked about it. It's like every single time. He's so angry to hear that. It's a super shocking answer. It's yeah. not the age that you would expect. No, um, you expect like, oh, they're going to be like 18 at least, 17 maybe. Sure. And it's like, what the heck? <laughs> no one's safe. No, and uh, no. And a lot of times uh, it'll be young girls who are preyed upon and, um, let me look at my notes, but I should have been more prepared. No, you're good. You're prepared. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm like pulling out my notes, I'm not prepared. No, it's good. You should have notes. Um, Basically, at the age of like a very young age, uh, what was this? Yeah, see, this is 92%. Um, Yeah, less than 14 years old. Can you pull the mic a little bit closer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make sure we're, we hear you. So it's just saying that typically 
trying to find. Okay, I can't. I can't find the numbers. But at a very young age, most kids who are either homeless or a runaway teen or in the foster care system or were previously abused in their family and likely sexually abused will be targeted by pimps and in a sense they will kind of come as this uh savior to this young girl's life and they'll be like i i i want to be your boyfriend i'm gonna love you we're gonna have a future together you know like Mm. i'll help you Mm. you know go to college or i'll help you with your dreams to become a movie star or like whatever their Mm. dream or their aspirations or their like heart's desire is right because they've been beaten they've been abused they've been neglected they've Mm. been cast aside and there's this big need for love and acceptance honestly Mm. and and here comes this person who's a man, who's older, who offers to provide that and be that. And it's a very grandiose, very, like, fulfilling thing in that sense. And so uh, they start dating, and, Mm. you know, she's thinking, finally someone sees me and loves me, and, like, Mm. they're going to offer me all these really great things. And slowly over time, you know, they start having sex and then they you know all these beautiful nice things that were offered well now that all needs to start being paid back so there's these you know where it's a reward for Mm. you know doing favors Mm. and it starts become like sexual favors for friends for example and then it starts being you know this or that and eventually she goes from being this girlfriend to this guy into being prostituted out and eventually it's mm. just the two of them. And then she now gets moved into a house with other girls who are mm. also being pimped and trafficked. And every single one of those girls up until some point believes that they are the girlfriend of this guy. And all these other girls yeah. are just like helping out. And, you know. Um, he loves her the most. He loves her the most. He's still going to yeah. give her all these dreams and aspirations. And she doesn't realize that she's being used for sex and it was Mm. this giant manipulation tactic and you know and she thinks well I just have to do xyz and I still have to sleep with this person xyz because I'm you know we're saving money for our future and you know but in all in reality he's just taking all of her money from all of these people that she's had to sleep with for sex that he's you know trafficked her out and pimped her out for sex and he's taking all that money for himself it's this. It's a giant. It's a very giant in, manipulative in brainwashing web. Got <laughs> talking about twelve year olds, right? Like, and this. Well, so actually, I, I do want to ask this too. Yeah. Um. So when you see like an older man, are we talking like someone who's like twenty? Are we talking about someone who's thirty? Like, it could be young twenties. It could be thirties. Like, it's just going to be an older man. He's gonna. It's okay. going to be an adult. Which is like bizarre to me, and that's what that's the one thing. It's it's weird. It's like when you look at that, it's just like, all right, here's this very young girl, <laughs> here's just this random old dude. It's just like you should not be talking to them. Well, yeah, and we'll see what's cr- so. Um, when I was I so I I went to school in Washington, and um, I got when I got very involved. I know I 
met some police officers, some aftercare workers, like, you know, it takes a community. Um, but they were doing a, the police officers were doing a sting operation and they had a cop go undercover as a runaway teen. Because mm. the statistic in the area was, or just in general, that a runaway teen will be approached by a pimp within 48 hours oh, yeah. of going out of the house. And she was approached within 12 like she was literally like just off the street and a pimp had approached her within 12 hours of like, like pretending to run away. How do they find these people? They're really good at it. They, they know where to look, you know? Well, I mean, like, I mean like the pimp, it's like, how are they just like, Oh, here's a runaway kid. It's like, I don't know. This like such a different mindset. This blows my mind. I mean, when you, your job is to look for that and that's true. You, you learn what to look for. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's I think that's what's scary for me to hear that. It's like, okay, so here are like I mean, is that is that so they're looking for people that are coming from very like hard backgrounds. We'll say it that difficult backgrounds. Say ad- adversity. Yeah, that's a great way to say that. <laughs> so it's like is that is it just easier with younger girls or why do they typically choose such young girls? They choose young girls because there's a demand for young girls. So you can't really talk about the supply without talking about the demand. Mm. Um, And in the book that I had you read, there was a story about these two people, and one of them was a little more seasoned into buying prostitutes, and the other one was brand spanking new. And when you say seasoned? Seasoned, I mean, has a lot of experience. (laughs) Um, buying women. Doing it for a while. They've been doing it for a while. Yeah. And um, and so the the one who was new like had someone for the night and and I said tried to like build a relationship with the girl because he just didn't know what he mm. was doing and the other guy was ended up being very violent towards his partner mm. and on top of that like um, had snuck at some point a very young minor in his room. And kind of the point of that is, like, you don't really start looking for children. (laughs) Maybe some people are really Mm -hmm. sick and do, but there's a sense of, like, once you kind of go down this road, there's a sense of the need for more. Yeah. And eventually you end up on that slippery slope and you keep going and going and going. I mean, that's how we get into, like, child pornography. It's how we get Mm -hmm. into this or that. Or, like, you start watching child pornography and then Mm -hmm. you want the real deal. And there's enough... There's enough kids out there, people being recruited that. Which is, it's crazy to think about that. Because you think of, and it's like, we have a word for people like that, and it's pedophile. (laughs) See, but if you're in the dark underworld, in the black market. It's just considered a person, which is crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not considered like a pedophile. It's just like, oh, you're just a guy who has a demand. Exactly. And it's like, that's that's what's crazy about that. Um, I should also mention that when someone is being trafficked while they're being manipulated into it, they're also, I think a really good word is groomed. I should have put that in there. Mm. They're being groomed, right? And what goes from like love and affection starts to become like extremely derogatory Mm. words. Tipsy theology. (laughs) (laughs) Barely half of my drink is. Um, No, but like they use really derogatory words Mm. and they start to like, that's the 
derogatory word starts to be used as like a favorable term. Mm. So, like you, you're you you know you're not seeing yourself as like this beautiful woman. Like you're seeing yourself yeah. as a sexy whore. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, that's who you are now. That's now your identity. That's who you're being told you are. Mm. And there's just a lot of different types of like initiations. Yeah. that move you into that life, you know, so it's not just, so like the grooming could be considered like the sex and the favors in this, but it's also like the terminology and the words mm. and um, <clears throat> lack of self-worth. And another thing that a pimp does is he'll make his, uh, his prostitute completely and a hundred percent dependent on him. And sometimes that's mm. with use of drugs. Sometimes it's with, like holding like a carrot and dangling over it in front of you is sometimes giving you small favors to think that you're getting wins and affection to kind of mm. string along whatever, you know, goals that you have. Um, yeah. And so there's, the, you know, the brainwashing and the manipulation happens in a lot of ways. And when people aren't in line, like there's, there's a big and violent abuse that happens mm. when people are not kept in line. There's also enough sweet and nice words and this and that to kind of like balance out, you know, I mean, you can think about it as like a domestic abuse relationship in some sense, right? Yeah. Like there's enough yeah. good that you think that you can keep the good, but there's still enough bad that it kind of keeps you in line. But the yeah. purpose is to be financially and like emotionally and, everything like dependent on the pimp a hundred percent. You don't, you don't think that you have another option because that is your only option. And that brings up the question for me, which is, I think it kind of answers it in, in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm sure a lot of people are like, why don't they just leave? <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's the thing is they, they think that they're in love with their pimp. Yeah. That's their boyfriend. They don't think of them as a pimp. They think of them as a boyfriend. So yeah. like when, so when I went to this aftercare facility and I volunteered there and interned there and everything, like when a lady would first get there, um, she, you would have to talk about her pimp as if he was her boyfriend. You had to use the term boyfriend. You couldn't use the word pimp or trafficker. Mm. And over their healing process, they would go from boyfriend to pimp to a lot of expletives. <laughs> <laughs> like they, as, as they were educated on what happened to them and they realized wow. what a piece of shit he was. Like, yeah. you know, they would be like, oh, that wasn't my boyfriend. That was a low piece of trash. Like, <laughs> douche. Yeah. <laughs> the low life. Yeah. And I think it's, I think this is why I brought that up too, is because I think a lot of times um, we view them as the criminals and not as a victim of abuse. Yep. Whereas we look at someone who is in like a domestic abuse relation. I mean, it's right there in the name, abuse. Yeah. Where it's like, we see it, it's like, oh, you have an abusive husband. It's very clear for us to see that and be like, that's bad. That's wrong. You're a victim of this. And then, well, I mean, even then, sometimes it'd be like, well, why don't you just leave? And I'm like, but you're like, that. you're financially yeah. dependent on them. They string you along. You're abused. Like, yeah. there's just a whole bunch of. Yeah, I mean, without getting like too much into the weeds, I told you earlier, like about <laughs> one of the examples I had. It's like, oh, here's this guy who, for me, it's like I, I knew that he was a very abusive person. Mm -hmm. 
But it's like, yeah, but when I meet him, it's like, I've, I've met him, it's like, he's a really sweet dude. Like, he's, he's really charming. He's very nice. He goes out of his way to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool. But he also beats people. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have well, to laugh because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And to be fair, I, there was a lady who also... Listen, learning from the sources is very uh, educational. But yeah. uh, something that I had researched and then had come to know is that pimps are also ex- uh, very empathetic people. Mm. They're ex- like they're extremely good listeners and extremely mm. empathetic. I can really relate. Um, but you know, instead of using that as a tool for like health and healing, it is used as a tool for manipulation and brainwashing. Yeah. Um, but to this day, and and this is from someone who was in a healing facility with highly trained like professional counselors in trauma. They mm. said the, the most empathetic person that had ever listened to them was their pimp. Wow. Like no one has ever been a good a listener as much as they were. No one was ever as much of an Damn. empathizer as they were. And you know, that also mm. might be a bit of like trauma bonding and trauma bond is kind of the new term for like codependency and, mm. um, like Stockholm syndrome, mm. there's there's a sense of relationship with your captor, yeah, and like um, ownership of those feelings and kind of a lack of like thinking that you have choice because you feel a certain way, mm. even if you don't necessarily have a choice from someone outside looking in. But in your mind, you do because you've bonded with that person in some mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. positive way, seemingly mm-hmm. positive way. Yeah, and it's a bond that like unless you've been through it yourself, you just don't understand it. It is an extremely tight, tight, tight bond. Yeah. And a lot of ladies, even if they choose to leave the life and like go out, like there, there is a likelihood of going back mm. just because of how close that trauma bond is. Yeah. I, I, that was, that was a, one of the big things that I saw in a lot of these kind of going down it, it, even beyond that in some ways in the book that I that I read. <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to this thing. It's a crash course book. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> but it was also that idea of, like, they don't... Who are they going to run back to? Yeah, yeah. And um, even if... Even if... I know some... The one, the one girl in particular, she was like, oh, I could go back with my grandma, but then I've got to answer all these questions. i got to be around these people. They're going to think certain things. They're, mm-hmm. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. That was the other side of it. It's like, but this, like, their pimp gets it. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's there in the life with them. Yeah. In, in the life, meaning in the, li- in the life of, of sex work, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, they don't really understand the, the, how it is in the streets or how it is in real life. Yeah. They don't, they don't recognize their old self anymore. I mean. Yeah. And I mean, how could you? Well, especially because uh. I'm... I I saw it seems like it's a pretty like universal thing where it's like they are given a different name too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like your parents attach your life to the name. Right. They're no longer their original birth name. They are their street name. That's who they're yeah. known as. And that you don't call them anything else but their street name. And, and as like once they leave their home, they're now their street name. Yeah. And it's easy if you're so used to hearing that. To attach mm-hmm. all of that and then all the memories and emotions to that as well. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, once you leave your home, you leave, live a very promiscuous lifestyle. I mean, 
I think it would be very jarring to try to go back and act mm. like not, that never happened anyways. Like, it, not yeah. only would you, like, go home to people who don't understand, but you're not the person that you were when you left either. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about that, too. Since, again, we're talking about such young kids. They're children. Yeah, they don't see themselves as children. Yeah. And, and I'm sure a lot of us wouldn't either in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's so much... Um, for lack of a better word, a lot of growing up that happened. Mm-hmm. And in not in saying, like, that's what you got to do to be mature, but it's like no. you're now seeing the darkness of the world in a way that you hadn't before. And it's a lot of darkness that a lot of adults can't even handle, and they're living right. it. Yeah, it's true. And I think that's what's so bizarre, too, going back to one of the earlier questions. It's like it's hard for us to imagine that something so depraved can run parallel to us going to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably happening outside the grocery store. Yeah. You, you wouldn't even know. Yeah, and that's what's... It's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. But uh, I don't remember if I said it. But I think that's the one big thing, and that's, that's the one thing that I got from this. Even a lot of these questions here is just like, we're not talking about like, these aren't just criminals. Like, they're not someone... It, it's easy for us to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, you have a choice not to do that. And it's like, in a way, yes. But also, no. Yeah. And so I think a good a good kind of, like, statement to make is the average age of entering is 12 to 14 years of age. Um, and that's when you start. But once that becomes your life, like, that is your life, and for a majority of these ladies, if you are not killed in that life, like, mm. you don't really know anything else. You don't really have anything else to go back to. Yeah. In, in, your own, in their opinion or in reality, you know, especially if you're in the foster care system or runaway teen mm. or coming from an abusive home, like, there isn't really a safe place to turn. Yeah. And, you know, if you grow up into that you are no, and you become no longer a child and you become an adult, you are now an mm. adult prostitute, but you are still being trafficked and pimped. Yeah. You're still a slave to somebody. And, but, like, horribly enough, there's probably more comfort in that. It's something that you know. Yeah. You're always going to be comfortable in what you know, even if it's not safe. Yeah. 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 It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to get the tissue box out, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> so I I have to ask then with this is like so how how does someone escape? Yeah. I know that's um, a broad because I'm sure it's very different for every person. It is. Um it I th- honestly believe it depends on the resources around you. You have to somehow find out that what's happening isn't right. Mm. Um, for the shelter that I was involved in, you had to admit that you were being sex trafficked before they would take you into the aftercare Mm. facility. And they have some really crazy stories because, so first of all, if you were trafficked within the area, you couldn't go to the aftercare facility in that area because Mm. it's too close Mm. and you could easily just go right back into it. You could be easily found. Like you have to be somewhere like far enough away. Um, and so where we were at was a couple hours north of Seattle. Mm. And so some of the ladies in there from Seattle and they would, uh, (laughs) 
there's some crazy stories of them like going to Seattle and, you know, opening up their door and like sneaking a girl in. And it was always a mm. very high stake, like scary situation, wow. you know, and they'd have to take them and bring them back. Um, because it's, it's not safe to leave. I mean, yeah. you leave, you're on a list to get killed. Right. You know, like it's, yeah. it's not necessarily, like not only can you just, you might not have anything to go back to, you, you, you'll be hunted. Yeah. You know, cause that's, that's that you're a moneymaker and you're, you're not supposed to leave. Mm. Um, but so, uh, you know, there's, so there's a sense of like, one, you have, you have to admit that you know what's going on. So that's kind of mm. a, a hurdle, even if when you go there, you still believe it was a choice to be in it. Yeah. Um, there's a place in Seattle called rest. It's called, that's the real escape of the sex trade. Mm. And they have kind of like a daytime center where there's education there and mm. they have like an aftercare thing in place and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of it, a lot of it is just having aware people around you and wanting to get out or like in the case mm. of the story that we, we read, the character had a connection to one of the newer girls were, that were brought that reminded her of her younger sister. And that was like her cue that mm-hmm. something was wrong. Yeah. And so I think it takes resources and it takes, it takes something else an outside something, I think yeah. to really like open that up, open that up that maybe, you know, it's like taking the blinders off. Something mm. has to be able to take the blinders off. And you know, there's the other thing of like, you see in those, like, the truck stops and then the airports and stuff, like, there's those, like, are you being trafficked? Call this number. So hmm. sometimes I've heard it works. I don't, I personally don't know. Yeah. Um, but. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's crazy with stuff like that, too, because it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, the people, it, it reminds me of uh, of Bill Burr. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a comedian. Um, <laughs> he had a joke about um, domestic abuse in mm-hmm. that way. I'm sorry if anyone gets offended by this. Like, this is how my brain works, okay? I'm an undiagnosed ADHD patient. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Safe company. Has, Natasha has diagnosed me. <laughs> I, I am not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the idea was, um, or the joke was those commercials where it's like domestic abuse is bad, you know, but you shouldn't do this. And he's like, who, who are the, who's watching this? Like, is it the people... That you know is an abuser watching this. Be like, oh really? Like, oh okay. I shouldn't do this anymore. Sorry. (laughs) And that that's what that reminded me of when you're saying that. Because it's like, in some ways, the people that are gonna look to call those numbers are not the people that are involved in it. Yeah. 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 Because you'd be like, that's not me. That's someone else. Yeah. That happens, but like out there. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same lie. Right. Well, and if they believe that they're with their boyfriend and there's yeah. something else involved, they're like, yeah. well, I chose to be with him. So, yeah, I technic I technically chose this, but that's not that's not true. <laughs> yeah. And then so <laughs> they were groomed. Yeah. Which is it's crazy. And it's something it's like I think for us, it's like we got to look out for the, those th- those things. And um yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> We're just it's, blowing in there. I'm just pushing, I'm procrastinating all these things. I'm like, it's too much. It's too heavy. <laughs> I know the answer. I don't want the answer. <laughs> I don't want it. 
Because it's terrifying. Like, the more, especially, like, some of the stats involved in these things, I'm like, my gosh, I don't want to know this. Yeah. <laughs> I, still yeah. Wanna, I still have to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Um, so, with all of this, it's, um, so, like, what happens, you've said a little bit, like, after someone has escaped from that, and it sounds like it's really not like you're just out. It's like a journey that you go through. Yeah, so I don't know how much everybody's familiar with trauma work or <clears throat> any of that type of stuff. For, at least from basically zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> so just because you leave an abusive, scary situation doesn't necessarily mean that you're free. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you're out, right? So you're okay now. But um, a lot of times when you're in, in a abusive, traumatic life, you know, you're surviving. Mm. And once you're out, you know, every, everything that happened to you still carries with you. Yeah. Even if you're not experiencing it anymore. And, and there is something very, very powerful with healing. Um, and especially with the type of, horrific abuse and experiences that comes with being sex trafficked. It's not just enough to go to therapy. Mm. And so, um, it, the question kind of is like, why isn't a women's shelter enough and, or a domestic abuse shelter enough? And, yeah. and while all, you know, being, being homeless, for example, or, or being in a domestic violence situation is, is extremely traumatic and does need, an outside intervention to kind of help you walk through that, like uh, sex trafficking on its own is 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 I think a f- much more intense and intrusive version of it, mm. with with a lot a lot a lot of lot of different types of crazy abuse mm. and uh, derogatory abuse and just like yeah, you can just kind of picture the most horrible things that happen to people. And you can most likely assume that that's going to happen to someone in the life, especially because they're considered yeah. a prostitute and not a victim of sex trafficking. Mm. And, you know, I mean, the side note, but like think of how many serial killers kill prostitutes because nobody thinks about them, right? Like, right. It's, just, it's just kind of a, a thing in society that nobody really pays attention to. And um, yeah. so a, an aftercare facility or something along those lines, it's a much more intensive, safe place for someone mm. to uh, not only kind of like learn what happened, but to unlearn everything mm. that had basically been brainwashed into their heads. And yeah. to also unlearn all of that abuse, all of that derogatory, all mm. of that like un- unworthiness that had been kind of bred into them for as long as they were living the lifestyle. Yeah. And there's also the things about like detoxing from drugs mm. and getting a GED. Cause these mm. girls were 12. Like they didn't finish yeah. their education. Um, learning how to drive sometimes, uh, mm. you know, and, um, the place that I was at, it was a, a Christian facility. And so, like, they uh, they went through some Bible studies. They went through some, like, books, like, uh, mm. 
The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Hind's Feet on High Places. Mm. Uh, they had, like, art therapy. They had uh, horse therapy, mm. uh, actual trauma therapy. And yeah. then they had peer mentorship. There were two ladies hired on the team as a case manager and someone else, like a peer mentor. And they were both in the life at one point, went through mm. the program, and then got hired on to wow. walk with ladies through the program because mm. there is something to someone else knowing and yeah. living and healing from it and walking yeah. through that with other people. Um, and as well as, like, there's a bunch of educational classes specific to what is sex trafficking, what is mm. pimping, and they, you know, they learn, like, Maslow's hierarchy of need and, like, mm. how they, you know, a pimp could use something like that to have control yeah. over them and their survival. Um, and the program is, like, two years long. It mm. starts with 16 months and can go up to three years. But the point of it is for them to live in that facility, to not have any other b burden of yeah. needing to be responsible for anything besides healing because of how in intense that experience is to kind of really do that and yeah. to be in a sense like okay enough to feel free enough mm. to be able to go back out into society and to live your life. Cause the thing is, is like once you live that life, that is what you know. Yeah. And in a sense, like you were yeah. saying earlier, like you're comfortable in what you know, you have yeah. to unlearn that and to be safe in that before you mm. can go out and, be truly free and live your own life. If you have that emotional burden and that experiential burden on you, there is mm -hmm. no true freedom until that is basically taken care of. Yeah. And so healing is, is the most important part of the journey. <laughs> it's so true. It's also the most <laughs> traumatic, believe it or not, because you have to relive everything. You got to go through it mm -hmm. again. It's like, oh my gosh. I, don't, I mean, even for these, my... Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Trauma. And they, their trauma is worse. <laughs> like, I don't even want to call it that anymore. <laughs> and these ladies are brave because some of them will go to court against their pimps. Mm. Which I, to me, is, is one of the bravest things. Is you, you face that person again and you do yeah. it in court as a witness. Like, any, I mean, anybody who does that it's against their difficult. abuser. This is always very brave in my books. <laughs> very, very brave. That'd be really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. But I know for me, so I think I think a question as well, I guess going into this, it's like looking at like what is done, especially to these very young girls and seeing that this is like over eighty percent of that industry. It's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and and still all eighty percent of this industry is girls that are like thirteen years old. I don't know. I mean well, I'm I'm <laughs> like say, at least they started that way. I should say that. <laughs> Let me say they started that. Not like they're all thirteen years old. <laughs> I was like they're not all. Yeah. But I guess a good chunk. They yeah. they start there. My intent with that is like they're all minors. A good chunk of good chunk. prostituted women are minors. Yes. Thank you for adding some. Uh, <laughs> but not not I speak all in broad brush and strokes. not most, but a good chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone should know I I speak in broad brush strokes. <laughs> But I, th I think a question too is like, how can someone do that? Um, and that's a broad question. So I, I wanted to break it up a little bit too. And I think it's important is like, so how, how have we in society, and you did, you did touch on this earlier, how have we normalized this or made this in industry a little bit more like consumer friendly? So one of the thoughts I had about this was, you think about like, like a pirate, 
which mm-hmm. we kind of laughs like, oh yeah, pirates are cool. <laughs> like I'm gonna dress my kid up as a pirate, right? Or I'll dress up as a pirate. And you think back to like who these people were. It's like these are pretty awful people, <laughs> but we've made it like a fun thing and just kind of like normalized it. It's like mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. So how are ways that we have done that with this? Because I feel like this whole industry or parts of it, like we talk about like prostitution or like pornography or something like that, is like a, a normal thing for a lot of people. Yeah, and um, yeah, gosh, how much time do we have? I th- <laughs> You've been going for almost an hour so far. Oh, all right. <laughs> so. Oh, you're good. Okay. <laughs> um, I would just say, in, in, a, in a sense, and maybe in a good sense, not for this industry specifically, but sex has become a much more normalized, thing in society it's not necessarily taboo outside of marriage like it used to be Mm -hmm. um and you know in a sense it is it is a healthy thing for people in healthy ways with consent Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um you know and a lot of people have normalized especially things like strip clubs and pornography and um you know, as a way to learn about sex and to be open to your sexuality and a lot of that type of stuff. And then I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that any of that is wrong. Um, But I think what is missed is that there is, which we brings back into the conversation, there's so much more demand for need of, of, of maybe being open to watching pornography or a demand mm. of strip clubs or a demand of, um, you know, wanting to try sexual things that your partner doesn't want to try. I don't know. Mm. And the demand does not meet what the willing supply would ever be. Mm. And there's just never, ever going to be that. And, mm. and then you get into like the sickos and the perverts and the pedophiles and that just goes down a whole other train. Yeah. Right. Like it, yeah. it doesn't have to be this dark, but it does get that dark. Yeah. And um and so and I and I think the other thing is 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 prostitute prostitution has always been very uh looked down upon side I like it's always yeah. just been something that's kind of like other in our society and mm-hmm. the woman has always been the criminal for it the person yeah. who who has who is prostituting has always been viewed as the criminal for selling sex Mm-hmm. Um, and it's how it's viewed in media. It's it's someone who is lesser in society. It's someone mm-hmm. who is forgotten about. It's someone who, like, you know, they're looked at as the scum of the earth, and they're treated like they are the scum of the earth. And in society, like, that is never really a term that has been rat- eradicated, I guess. And, yeah. And so eradicated, I think, is the word I was looking for. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, but the other, the other side, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is, you know, women are wanting to have autonomy over their bodies. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, if I want to sell myself for sex, I should be able to. Like, you shouldn't look down on me as a woman because that's a way that I can make money. Mm. Um, and... 
I, and you know, and that's the same thing with porn. Like I should be able to make porn without people looking down on me just because I'm using my body. Mm. And, um, and I think while there is advocacy and autonomy for that in a perfect world, I understand where they're coming from. Um, but especially with the lifestyle, the demand and the research that I have done, the industry itself is extremely unsafe. Yeah. And while someone may consent to the idea of doing something, they do not consent um, to the type of abuses that they're going to endure. And if they mm. say, even if they say yes, they don't know what they're saying yes to. Um, and I, I had read this, uh, this uh, paper, a peer, a peer, <laughs> a peer reviewed paper. Ooh, and this, this woman was talking about a woman having power over her body. And you can't have power over your body if you are succumbing to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And if you're submitting it to somebody else. Because that is giving them to have power mm. over you. And so while there is some sense in autonomy and choosing it, you know, it's just, I mean, I know that pimps are abusive, but so are, so are buyers. Like, buyers are so abusive. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of girls that, you know, yeah. they go to a job for a certain thing, and, and it ends up being an extremely scary and violent situation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it leads to death. And so, you know, those are those things that are just not talked about, but that happen. It's, you can't be involved in this industry without... Ha- putting your life on the line mm-hmm. like you just can't or having an expectation yeah. of of in, in a sense being owned in that interaction and having to do whatever is asked of you for the money yeah i mean you can always yeah. like ask for more you can you know you can you know have autonomy i guess and saying like well if you want more you have to give me more money but mm. like and it, there there is no true autonomy in that scenario. Yeah, there's, that's where it gets, I mean, there's a whole lot in even what you said there too, with jumps down to like five different avenues. Yeah, I I realized I had the question and it wasn't answering what we were first (laughs) starting (laughs) of, but the point is, is there's, you know, we can talk about the concept of media, we can talk about the concept of feminism, we can talk about the concept of autonomy, and we can talk about the societal view, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's just... Right. There's, there's what's known, and then there's what's actually happening. Yeah. It's true. And I think that's what's important, too. And there's, and there's how we justify it in our own minds, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's... I said I, was, said I, was, on, I was on the fence about saying this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things that, I, that comes to mind when I think about this, too, is the idea of, like, Nazi Germany. We look at these concentration camps... And it's like, how can a person who, you know, however long ago, they drive their kids to school, they go and buy bread, they go to work, they come home. It's like, how does that person go from that to just committing, like, genocide? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how, how do you get from there to there? Same thing with how does, how does a person get to a point where they, um, you know, are just a child growing up to where they you know, are a pimp with 15 women or however many? Or how do you get to a place where you're just some guy with a wife and kids and a good job, a 401k, 
And then you're going to go and buy a 14-year-old and do horrible things to them. And it's like, how does that happen? Slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Very slowly. It's, I think of the analogy of a frog in the frog in the the boiling water. Like if it's a boiling pot of water, a frog will jump in and then jump right back out. But yeah. If it starts at a lukewarm temperature and slowly rises, they're not going to notice the change until it's too yeah. late. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it really, really comes down to greed and lust of what you don't have or lust of what mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the same token, you have to see the person you're selling, the person you're buying is not a person. Yeah, yeah. You know, to do the things that some people are doing they have to come to a point where they don't believe that what they're doing is they're doing it to another human being. Yeah. Which is something that happens over time. There was a, um, a movie, it's a documentary, it's called Nefarious, it's very educational and good. But they had interviewed pimps and traffickers, and they're mm. global traffickers, but at one point uh, there was these women in this place, and they were like selling them to mm. these traffickers and they would come out and they w- would purchase them and then they would take them and then they would pimp them out. Right. Mm. And this guy had said like the first time I had went there, he was, ki- it was like kind of this shock and he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm buying this person. And like, mm. it was a big thing. And then over time he's like, well, yeah, it's just money. Mm. Like if they stopped seeing it as people and started seeing it as a commodity. Yeah. That was one of the, that was, what you just said there too, that was a horrible thing that I saw was even just, I told you this, even with the book, it's like, I had trouble getting through just the glossary at the beginning. <laughs> the terminology. There's like, you need to know some terms before you read the book. I'm like, my gosh. Yeah, but they're, one they're of them, nice. And you just see that is the idea of like, they just call the, they just call the women prostitute, or I'm sorry, products. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's just a movement, some product. And it's like, it's a human being you're talking about. Yeah. But in your mind, it's like you have to change that. Um, in order to justify what you're doing, you have to really ch- change that in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that slow justification that starts with you at home by yourself. And then it, it can lead to that thing. And I think that's, that's the scary thing that we never want to admit to is like, well, some people are like that, but not everyone's like that. It's like that's the horrible thing about the human condition is that we're all capable of these things. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. It just really depends on where you come from, who you interact with. Yeah. What, you know, what you're saying yes to, what you're saying no to. Yeah. Like it, there's just, there's a lot of factors. Okay. So we've been going for about an hour now. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> I warned you. I know. And it's, <laughs> I, I kind of knew it was going to be going, I'm going for an hour and a half. That's my goal. It'll probably be longer. <laughs> so I am so sorry. Because there's so... Don't be sorry. They, they love it. <laughs> Nobody... That's the thing. It's tough. It's like, this is one of those really just difficult topics. And it's like, I think it deserves time. Right. But there's just so many things. I think the thing is, is it's, a, it's an unknown topic. So there's a lot of yeah. things to have to try to explain. Or... Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like... Uh, introduce and give information for mm-hmm. and at the same yeah. time like you can't one you can't use broad terms and two like there's just um, a, a lot 
a lot to say for each thing and you could you yeah. know i feel i still feel like we're just brushing over so much of it too oh yeah absolutely and, and at the same time we've been talking for a very long time <laughs> yeah and it's really just not even really scratching the surface of it mm-hmm. um because it, again it, there is so much to talk about there is and, and there if, always leaves room for more questions right like you yeah. say some information and the people are like okay well what does that mean what about that <laughs> yeah. yeah well what does that mean right like there's yeah. you can everything that we've talked about we could still talk about for a while absolutely <laughs> And that'll just make me more angry. I'm over here, like, clenching my fists. I'm hiding them under the table so Natasha can't see it. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't silently judge you. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> it does just make me so angry. Like, this whole topic, I mean, uh, hopefully it makes you angry, too. Um, I mean, I feel like I'd be concerned if it was just like, oh, yeah, just another Friday. <laughs> yeah, if this didn't make you, like... At least stop for a moment and be like, all right, we got to talk. <laughs> I'm not angry at all. This is normal, right? Actually, at that point, I'd be concerned. I'd be like, what have you experienced? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah. Well, and I think that here's a question mm-hmm. that I would love to hear your thoughts on all this too. I've prepared some stuff myself. Um, okay. And it's the question. This is, we're tipsy theology. That's what we're here for. It's just like I'm definitely tipsy. Where is <laughs> where is Christ? Where is God in this? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with something that is so, I think it's I think it's easier for us to answer these questions with ease, easier. Yeah, situations. I so yeah so. Mm. <clears throat> I, I I mean God is everywhere, but I think mm-hmm. I think what we we, we need to recognize. Um, when talking about this is we, we live in a very broken world in a fallen society. And um, the way that I like to think about it is God calls us to love him first and to love others. And that is our calling in life. And I, yeah. the, the thing farthest from loving God and from loving others is loving yourself and using other human beings as products. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. that, is, that is about as yeah. far as you can get on the other side of what God has called us to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's pretty bad. the opposite. Um, it, it is one of those things where it's better. I, I mean, uh, it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, and that's the thing we, I think, I think we have of, to remember. Who was Scrooge's friend? Sorry, that is what I think of the oh, kid, the guy Bob, Marley, uh, Marley with the chains. I almost said Bob Marley. That's a different guy. <laughs> no, that's a hippie dude. That's reggae. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but what was his first name? I know his last name was Marley. I don't. I thought his name was Marley. Hold on, Scrooge. I'm looking. At, oh wait, I don't have internet on this. I didn't sign up to your. I didn't hook up to the Wi-Fi. Uh, if you guys know, let me know. <laughs> I think they got the point. You were talking about something around your neck. I was thinking of Marley with the chains. You know, coming back to Scrooge. You like Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> you <Don't>. messed up. <laughs> your greed was too much. He's like, yeah, you're just like a bad piece of meat, though. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you're looking for where God is, like God cares. And, yeah. you know, actually, I have a really great story for this. So, um... Jacob. No, but that's... His like, first name. Oh, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley. I, I thought you were just talking about, like, 
I thought you were talking about J- like what? Is- oh, and it was Joseph in the Technicolor room. Oh yeah. I was like, J- I was thinking of a Bible story. Yeah. I was like, no, that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> All right, continue. I said to get um, that out. So okay, I have to talk about International Justice Mission because they're my mm. favorite organization in the whole wide world. Everybody should know who they are because they're incredible. They're the awesome. largest yeah. anti-human trafficking organization in the world. Mm. Uh, but they do mostly of their work overseas. Uh, but the guy who started it was, his name is Gary Haugen. And Hogan, I don't know how to say his last name. So sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> and um, he started International Justice Mission. And he started it in the 90s. Uh, he was a lawyer for the United States. Mm. I, I, I don't know if he did criminal law or something. He worked for the U.S. He did federal law work. Okay. The point is, is uh, he was shipped out to Rwanda after the whole genocide happened mm. over there with their civil war. Yeah. And he had to dig through the mass grave sites. And a lot of them were like people trapped in churches that were burned down. It was very mm. horrible. And he was absolutely emotionally wrecked going through yeah. these grave sites. And he had cried out yeah. like, God, like, where were you mm. in this? And God had responded to him. Where were my people? Mm. And uh, mm. I get very emotional saying that. <laughs> yeah. But I, that is what got him to start his organization. And it started with 30 people. And now it's, it's just mm. huge. And again, their work, incredible. I will, I will not yeah. expound because I will talk for an hour specifically on them. <laughs> that is not even a joke. My husband would be nodding hysterically and be like, no, no. <laughs> she, like, she is obsessed. <laughs> little unhealthily. It is like my lifelong goal to work for them. I just, I love them so much, but (laughs) I know they're humans. I'm not putting them on a pedestal. But the the point is, is that when I think about that, it is like, it's it's that that thing of like God calls us to be his hands and feet. He calls us to be those people. And um, and as Christians, like, and, and funny enough, we were having a conversation about this earlier. Earlier, like we're called to all different types of things because we mm-hmm. are the body of Christ. And as the mm-hmm. body of Christ, like we're not all meant to do one thing; we're all meant to do all right. things. And so, and, but there is a section of His people for this specific person to go against this. And so, mm-hmm. if you're asking where God is, I believe God is in us, and we are the response against this because he does care and because he cares we care and if we care we can do something mm-hmm. and that's where education comes in right you need to know what is going on and you need to understand how it is happening and you also need to know like what actually helps mm-hmm. because without knowing those things you really can cause more harm than good mm-hmm. and you can push people in a very opposite direction of what you're wanting to do and just because your intention is in a really great place doesn't actually mean you're doing good things. Mm. And so, um, but yeah, so I, if we're, we're wondering where God is, I believe God is in us and I believe we are the response. And so, um, you know, and you know, change doesn't happen immediately. It happens every day. And I don't believe that the end of human trafficking will come until, uh, God comes back because of Mm -hmm. our fallen world and because of our selfish nature as humans but I do believe that uh, we can make as much of a damage in it as possible until that time comes because nobody Mm -hmm. deserves that lifestyle nobody deserves to be treated like a product and everybody I truly believe is 
human and worthy and wholly made for purpose and wonderfulness and goodness and any safe and wonderful life that we ha- that either we have or we want to have is deserved by everyone. Yeah. And so, anyways, I can really get on a tangent for that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. And yeah, that's that's what's so big about it too is is the idea in. We've said this several times, and this is the one thing, because I've talked about this in the past on, on this episode, and I'm sure in real life too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it's, it's the idea of, because we've said, it's like people look at them, you know, myself included at some point too. It's like we look at prostitutes and be like, oh, they're lesser humans. We don't like using those words, but we think that. <laughs> I just made a face. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was should. like, how dare you? You should make a face. And, and there, there are a lot of times where we do things like that. We might not use those words, but we think about... It's like, a prejudice, right? Yeah, it's like, like, oh, they're gross. Like, and we think less of them. But, and this is where it's different. It's like, we have to ask ourselves the questions, are they still imagers of God? And what does that mean? We've talked about, I've talked about what that meant on here before and just in case you're this is your first time on here and we're talking about this now what a great podcast to start i know (laughs) two hours later welcome on they all this long (laughs) yeah they can look and see that they're all over the place (laughs) no consistency there is zero consistency (laughs) but it's the idea that and it's like you said, we're God's hands and feet. God created us to be representatives of him on earth. And what that means is that we are to do what is good and right in the way that God has told us to do that. But what we often do instead is what we think is good and right and what we would rather do. And that is what got us into this mess that we're here now. And we have to talk about these things because... We think what we think is better than what God has told us is right. Um, we really do. It's terrible. We, re- we really, we it's really, really are. bad habit. <laughs> I've been trying to quit for a while. Look, we're all greedy people. Some are just very greedy. Yeah. Some, uh, you know, some people rob a bank. Some people steal from their mother's purse. Yeah. Both is still stealing. Both is stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but with that, and that's, I think this is what's important when it comes down to the idea of justice, mm. when it comes down to being made in the image of God, mm. is that before God, everyone, every single person, whether you're uh, the Pope, <laughs> whether you're just there some... history there. Yeah, there's a lot to say about that one. <laughs> Sorry, Tipsy Tosh is coming out. <laughs> Tipsy Tosh is a pusher. <laughs> Apologies in advance. Gotten better. Um... You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Every single person is equal in before God, and they deserve um, deserves the right to be treated with fairness and dignity. And dignity is a huge word in here, and I'm getting tingles just saying that. I get shivers some, a lot of times when I say stuff like this, and it's like, ooh. That's, <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. Even when we look at it, and this is what I think is so beautiful, we look at even the fall in, in the Garden of Eden in the Genesis account. And we see that God did not leave Adam and Eve without their dignity. He, he in, his, in himself, committed the first sacrifice to create a covering for Adam and Eve to leave them with their dignity. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that we do not often offer other people. We, 
we take those things away because we think justice is what we think is right. And the Bible shows us how constantly we're redefining good and evil for our own advantage and the disadvantage of others. We leave other people as less than they were before. And I think this is I think this is a great one. <laughs> I'm making myself cry. And I, I'm, I'm I like hyping my mom back up. here. I'm <laughs> snapping everywhere. I'm like, yes. Let's go. <laughs> but I think a great a great verse to bring up here is Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. ESV. I'm very sorry, Trey. That's that's what I read. We've talked about this. I can't I can't not read ESV for some reason. <laughs> um, but it says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are de- destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And I think that is such a a profound and beautiful thing of exactly what we're talking about here. It's like for those that don't know, for those that can't know, can't say anything, can't do anything, those who... (laughs) A great man once said... Those who have, I love this quote, and I'm so sorry, I'll tell you exactly who it's from in a second. You're going to laugh at me. But it's a beautiful quote. I love it. And <laughs> if you know where this quote is from, let me know. Uh, props to you. But it's those who have the responsibility to act have the ability, have, sorry, I'm, I've already screwed it up. <laughs> those who have the ability to act have the responsibility to act. And that's from National Treasure, from our old Nicholas Cage. Yeah, funny enough, uh, <clears throat> before we started and I had given Paul his homework book, I had told him, I said, I'm not saying you have to become a warrior against this cause, but now that you know, you can't pretend you don't know. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> it's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's what's important to, um, to add on to what you said as well. And, and we look at God has given us all unique abilities and callings. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're not all the same. It doesn't mean that... I, it, I'll, I'll say for me, at least right now, in the place that I'm in right now, um, fighting for this, like dedicating all of my time toward human trafficking is not what I feel like I'm called to. But It's, it's definitely a calling. Uh, 100%. <laughs> it's just, just, just from someone who... I just read a book, and that was too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry no you're good you don't apologize it's just this, like me thinking of you as a noob reading that book is like you thinking of me as a noob trying to figure out how to talk into this mic <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's what it is and, and, and it's not doesn't mean that i don't care it doesn't mean that it's wrong it doesn't mean that it's stupid it just means that god has called me to focus in another area and for people like natasha it's like this is an area that god has <clears throat> called you to to work and to focus and to speak about and you should do those things in the opportunities that you have yeah um and i mean i'm i'm a great recruiter so um <laughs> <laughs> sober tosh recruits tipsy tosh pushes um but <laughs> besides the point um <clears throat> I, I I wanted to point out that while I I I, I did feel called to this, and I, I kind of shared that at the beginning, and there's more to the story mm-hmm. for anybody who wants to talk to me some other day. Uh, but there are plenty of ways to care without having to dedicate, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, sometimes people will... 
I don't know. People can get really cool. Like there's this what there's this people in Seattle. They started this coffee place, and they make their own coffee. They sell their coffee, and then like five percent of their proceeds like goes specific to like anti-human trafficking organizations. Mm. Or like um, mm. there's this girl who will get a big group of people together once a year and they'll go on a hike to spread awareness against human trafficking and they'll get to the top and they'll take pictures and they'll like mm. use that as a tool to spread awareness and try mm. to invite people of like you know it's the same thing as like doing a relay race for the cause like you just yeah. there's plenty of ways to care or maybe to do something yeah without feeling like you have to become this social justice warrior or if you're someone like me who recruits, I will probably plan a bunch of stuff like that and mm. then just invite people I know who will kind of show up and get to be an extra person. Mm. So most likely you're yeah. now just going to get roped into all of my plans. <laughs> and, Sweet, I'm in. And so, you know what I mean? But sometimes just showing up and saying you care is extremely powerful. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I also feel like that's important to say. No, that is important. And I think that's that's what's good about that too is knowing that where it where are our resources best used mm -hmm. and for me my resource in this area is not best served <laughs> i mean Whereas, like there's I this podcast give, right here you gave me a platform to speak absolutely and it's like for you to speak yeah but <laughs> but that is something that you are doing you gave me oh, an opportunity to be able to <laughs> use my voice which may or may not be helpful or harmful so i you know it's helpful. I think it's helpful. <laughs> I think it's helpful. <laughs> I'm going to get a call later like, you said everything wrong. Like, oh, dang. Like, <laughs> Don't air this it's one. It's like my biggest fear. You know, like I try to do something and they're like, you know what? The heart was there, buddy. <laughs> it's the intent behind it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Awkward. <laughs> but jumping into it here as well, and it's like, I, I think it's such a big thing with when it talks about justice. Yes, that is that, a really great topic. That's huge. And I think that, because that, that goes into the idea of, before we, ju we jump into like the legal stuff here, mm -hmm. is looking at, you know, God's justice. What does that look like? And um, we haven't, I don't know if, um, for those who don't, who haven't been listening, I've been, I've been going through just the aspects and um, characteristics of God. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten to justice yet. <laughs> I thought this was a great lead into it. Great in a lot place of to start. Yeah, absolutely. Because so. it's a very difficult thing to grasp and be like, how can we look at this and be like, okay, God is just still in this thing. And this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. um, for the scope of this episode, I don't want to jump all into that because I'm going to you later. But it, it's a it's a serious topic, yeah. and I think it's it's something that is good for us to consider. Um, and so it's funny because I wanted to bring it into um, looking at the Old Testament and seeing like what God did with Israel. And it's funny. So we see God redeemed Israel from injustice when they were enslaved in, in Egypt. And then the, the total irony of it. And it's like you just, in some ways you have to laugh at it because we read it in such a 40,000 foot view of it, but then realize that this is us as well. It's like we do the exact same things. Mm -hmm. um, is that Israel then committed the same injustice toward each other <laughs> that was being done to them. So then God's like, okay, cool. I'll send you some prophets and they're going to they're gonna give you my words. They're going to give you judgment. Um, and then when we look at this, it, that, it's the same thing. We do these things. We are all participants in injustice in one way or another. 
And before mm. God, it's like no one is justified. No one is righteous. It doesn't matter if you did these egregious things that pimps or buyers are doing or you're doing these egregious things that you know you just lied to somebody. It's like they, they're equal standing of you are not justified in front of God. Yeah, um, he, he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Yeah, no one's throwing anything. <laughs> We're all just hanging on to those. <laughs> but, and then we see, and this is the beautiful thing. This is the thing that I love, is that God then said, okay, I'm going to give you a gift. <laughs> and what he gave us was Jesus. And he was the one who lived a perfect sinless life for us, who died and was resurrected, came back to life, and through him, we became righteous and just before God because of what he did and not what we continually fail to do. And if God then declared someone righteous, declared us righteous through Jesus, when we didn't deserve it, we don't deserve it. <laughs> the only reasonable response that we could possibly ever have is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. And what does that look like? That looks like what we're talking about right now. Um, and, and one of the things that I think about, because it is still, and that alone won't be enough for a lot of people. And we're going to talk more about it. Don't, don't worry. It's another episode. It's a I have lot. a Bible verse for you. Awesome. I got a ton too, but I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, this one's, this one's IJM's Bible verse. But I, I first, I just want to agree with everything that Paul said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I would have I said all those things if Paul didn't already say them. Um, but, uh, my time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) I love Jesus too. Okay. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, IJM's like mission Bible verse, not their mission statement, but the Bible verse is, uh, to, is Isaiah 117, which is to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fathers, plead, plead the widow's cause. And, um, I I love how it just says, like, seek justice and correct oppression, right? So it's, like, we are called as Christians to be justice seekers. And, you know, if you to see wrong, to not just kind of, like, ignore it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, do something about it. And I, and I also want to make a really good point of what Paul was saying, which is that, like, you know, God is the judge, right? Mm-hmm. We are not the judges in this scenario. Yeah. So we don't get to sit here and say, this is wrong, that is wrong. Like, I'm going to sit here and point fingers and pretend I've done nothing wrong because everything mm-hmm. is, we, we are all fallen. We are all doing something wrong. We are all living in a way where we are not justified, right? Yeah. I think it was a really good word that you used. And... Yeah, but it says like to seek seek justice and to defend the oppressed. And so in some level, you know, while we are not judges, we also are not um, bystanders. Mm. And so we're not just going to sit here and pretend nothing is going on. And in a sense, like, and, I, and it's not something I really love about Jesus is in his ministry is like the people he praised were the people who had faith and who believed mm. and who 
um, you know, like the woman who touched his cloak and was mm. healed from bleeding for 12 years. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you think of the story of Mary and Martha and Martha yeah. went to his feet, whereas Mary tried to like clean a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not about <laughs> how you present yeah. yourself, but it's about the faith that you have in him. And it's also yeah. just the fact that he, he really stood up for all those people that society cast out. Yeah. And then for our society and, and even in that society, prostitution is one of the things mm -hmm. that was cast out. And that is one of the things that Jesus, yeah. Jesus loved. He loved yeah. there. And I, and I think that, that is, I think that that is a good distinction because it's not something that we're like judging, but something that mm -hmm. we're like loving into. Mm -hmm. And I think that mm -hmm. you can't have justice without love. Yeah. And, you know, God loved us. He gave us Jesus. Jesus died for us. And in mm -hmm. that sense, if we're going to fight injustice, we need to fight it with love. And, I mean, if yeah. you look at the yeah. Mother Teresa, we look at Martin Luther King, we look at Gandhi, like, all of these people led with love. And mm -hmm. that was the most powerful thing that they had to their story. Yeah. So. Yeah, mm. that's huge. And I think that's such a, that's such a, a great a great point to bring up in the idea of looking at the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. What he like, look at the people that he sat down with, the people that followed him, mm -hmm. that he let follow him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's Mary. That's, that's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally a prostitute. We have Matthew, one of his apostles, a tax collector. Yeah. We have all these people coming from different backgrounds that, that society, these high, these highly educated people, these very not educated people right. are looking at me like, what a disgusting human. Yeah, and he's getting all these like crazy and Jesus people. Is saying, like, I don't care. No, <laughs> like, like because it doesn't matter because they are all before God, everyone deserves equality. Everyone is equal in front of God. Everyone deserves fairness right. and dignity. And but, and Jesus yeah. gave those gave that to those people who were not given it. And I think that's something that it's a classic example we talk about here. And it's like, and it's something that we still do. I find myself doing it sometimes. I'm sure we all do to some degree where you see like, oh, I'm the clean person. And here's this <laughs> little sick thing. Sickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. And it's like, that's, it's horrible. And, and we have to ask, the, we have to ask ourselves a question because it's a very serious question. And it's like, do you love God? Mm -hmm. Because... If you love God, you love those people too. Yep. And yeah. Silent snapping over here. Thank you. And that that's what's tough. You know, what does that look like? That's a great question. And I'm actually just gonna jump right ahead to that question. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a little bit. I'm jumping around all over this outline in my notes mm -hmm. here. But so if we do see someone in public like this, like a prostitute, for example, or one of these girls, how how do we respond to them without coming across as assumptive or judgmental or anything? Well, I think <sighs> no matter what you see, the best the thing, in my opinion, that you can do is just to treat them like a person. Mm. Like, uh, you're not, you can't just s sit there and... Um, you know, outright say like, hey, I think you're being trafficked. And actually, I don't really think this is your <laughs> choice, right? Like, they're going to give you a big F you and like walk off, right? Like, yeah. that is yeah. the opposite. Um, 
but it's walking between an alcoholic and saying you're an alcoholic. They're like, "Freak you! I can stop whenever I want." Yeah, and they're like, "Well, yeah," and they're like, "No, I'm not." Right? Like, <laughs> like you don't know me. Yeah. Um, but I. So, for someone, for example, like if I were to be at a place where I was interacting with these girls on the daily before they're out of the life, right? Um, And they're still involved in sex work and with their pimp. Like, there is little trust, right? Mm. There's little um, anything. And so showing up, being consistent, being careful with your words, Mm. and not making promises that you can't keep, right? Mm. There's going to be a a sense of testing on their end to even build rapport. Mm. Like there has to be a very patient period where there's trust building before there can be any weight to the words that you use in the first Mm. place, right? So I think that if you were to ever see someone or experience something with someone, there is a sense of trust building that has to go in place first. There has to mm. be a consistency there. Um, it's not necessarily like you can kind of walk into one conversation and hope that there's going to create change. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there has, uh, with the history of what they've experienced and the traumas that they've experienced and the people that, you know, have walked mm-hmm. into their life and broken promises and done this or that, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's something that, you have to show up and be who you say you are. You have to be mm. patient. You have to be kind. And you, the least of all judgmental, there is no judgment. Yeah. And uh, what's really funny to me is like in this period of testing, like they also like to share very graphic stories to see how far they can kind of scare you. Mm. Or if they're either that as a piece of testing or they just, they're going to have to let it out. Like it's a very yeah. tough experience. Yeah. And obviously we're not counselors, but even if we listen or even if we're a social worker, even in these scenarios, like a lot of people, it is so hard to hear. Mm -hmm. It is so hard to hear. And a big part of that trust building is, is not necessarily showing how hard it is for us in a situation where it's obviously harder for them Mm -hmm. and to be that emotionally stable spot. And if you're going to cry, if you're going to get angry, if you're going to have any of those emotions, you have to hold that until you're, Mm out of that conversation mm. that is not the place to share your emotional burden on them because they're yeah. sharing their emotional burden with you. So, yeah. you know, there's kind of a lot of that. Like, okay, if you need to cry about it, let them leave and then go take care of yourself. Yeah. Cause then, then you can, you can let out how tough that is for you. But by all means, it's never going to be as tough to hear it as it is to live it yeah. and to heal from it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, if you, if you do see someone and, there is a situation like the best thing I can tell you is they're a human being. And if like, just treat them like a human being, mm-hmm. they are a person. So just treat them like a person. I mean, I'm sure that enough yeah. will be impactful because society doesn't see them as people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm even just from, I keep going back to this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what I, read. I told you it's a crash course. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and even with that, it's like, there's, you know, the story of like one of the girls in an elevator and like this father's like, hiding his child from them and it's like mm-hmm. yeah we don't want to be those people no it, it's not one of those it's like it's not saying that this is okay 
but it's showing this person there that... There should be no shame. Yeah. It, it, it's showing this person that it's like, you're a human. Yeah. Yeah, which is something they don't get. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that's been... Their humanity has been stripped. And it's like, you need to give them their dignity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a human being. Dignity. That's such a good word. Especially yeah. with how derogatory they are treated. It would be a very yeah. different experience to be treated with dignity. Yeah. I did not cry right now. <laughs> Goosebumps. <laughs> it's so difficult. <laughs> so I mean, we're jumping all over the place here. Did you? Did you want to quickly? Because I know we've been we've been going for a while. It's been an hour and forty minutes. We can, we can be quick. It's crazy. I did can... you quickly want to talk about some of the legal stuff? I know you were excited to jump into that a little bit. Yes, I and can then, do that. Let's touch on that and then end with, you did mention a few prog- a few organizations as well, but it's like, what what can we do? Because I'm, sh- mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone out there being like, cool, like, what can I do? That's always the question. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, as we've kind of talked about all of this, and I'm sure maybe you're leaving with more questions and answers, and if there's any questions and Paul has a contact, he can always pass them on to me. (laughs) I'm happy to elaborate on anything. Um, But uh, while we talk about, and and I think this can get into what can we do. So um, we all know that, you know, human trafficking is wrong. Sex trafficking is wrong. We can all agree that that is wrong. I think, but specifically for the United States, especially with prostitution, it gets really muddled. Mm. And prostitution, so far, is still criminalized in our country. There is a law. Mm. It's the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, released in, like, 2000. And it's a law, which is what I had read at the beginning, was, uh, Mm. which is why it specifically talked about sex trafficking and under the age of 18. And I got a little frustrated with that. Um explanation as I was reading it (laughs) Um, (laughs) for many reasons. Um, But specifically in our country, if you were a United States citizen and you are under the age of 18, you cannot consent to selling sex and you automatically be deemed as a trafficked victim. Mm. Um, In the courts, that's not exactly how it plays out. And I'm sure, as you know, there are plenty of cases with minors being uh, treated like adults in some cases. Yeah. And there are not, in 2018, I had done research, there were only like 18 states out of the 50 that had extra laws about trafficking and 32 states that mm. did not. Mm. Um, but what makes me really uh, frustrated about that is, sure, like if you're under the age of 18, you can't consent to sex. That is a win. However even if you start under the age of 18, the minute you turn 18, you are tried and criminalized for being a prostitute. Mm. Um, And while age can be Mm. a defining factor in a court of law, it is, it is not the truth. It is not Mm. what is, um, what is really going on. And it, it, it doesn't really encompass it. The other thing is pimping, and trafficking isn't necessarily necessarily criminalized the way that it should be. It's not 
and so like a lot of pimps might get five, maybe 10 years into like, you know, it's a slap on the wrist compared to what they're doing with their horrendous acts and violence. I mean, it's the same amount of prison time as some people would have gotten for weed, which is a whole other topic, but is like, they're not on the same level, not even close. Yeah. And anyways, that, but that is the only federal law that I know of Mm. that combats sex trafficking within the United States. If you are over the age of 18, there is a United Nations law that can protect immigrants from being trafficked within the United States. Mm. However, there's a whole other issue with people who have immigrated into the United States, who maybe have had their documents taken from them, who have been fear-mongered into going to authorities because of it being illegal for them to be in the United States mm. and f- like either fear of deportation or fear of being criminalized. Okay. And so that is a whole other thing. But there is a law, if you're over the age of 18, that protects you from being trafficked if, uh, if you are trafficked from, with, like, from outside the borders to within the borders. Okay. Uh, that being said, um, for prostitution... Coercion and manipulation and all of that stuff hasn't been necessarily deemed as a reason for uh, not choosing to be a prostitute. And so, mm. like, you can't... It hasn't been able to be a, a viable option in court to be able to say those things as a reason for why you were being trafficked and not choosing to sell yourself for sex. Mm. Um, which is... So, our, I believe that our laws in the United States are completely abysmal... And they're a huge mm. barrier and issue to treating, to treating this. And I don't know if we need to change the laws first or if we need a societal like shift in the idea of criminalizing prostitution. Mm. But something does need to take place in order, like, because that is mm. a change that needs to happen. Yeah. And it's a big change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there, you know, there are... Uh, hmm, there is a... So... There's a lot of argument on to what to do mm. to decriminalize prostitution. Yeah. One of them is to legalize it, and there are several countries who have done that, mm. and it has only ramped up the issue yep. of human trafficking and sex trafficking in the area only because, one, it's extremely easy to falsify mm. documents, and two, there is no moral issue if it is legal. And if it is legal... There's a lot of maybe societal yeah. thinking and thinking, oh, it's choice. Like, it's all legal. There's nothing wrong. Like, yeah. there's no moral obligation to try to do something about it, yeah. even if there's a lot of really gross, dark underbelly things that are happening. And then there's the Nordic model, which is kind of what we've touched on with, like, there's more demand than a need for supply. Mm-hmm. And this was, like... This was done in some of the northern countries of Europe where they started criminalizing the buyers over the those who are selling themselves for sex. And by criminalizing the buyers, it dropped the demand so significantly mm. that there was no yeah. need for sex workers in the area. And, um, and that showed a very significant change and the traf- and the trafficking and the use of selling women mm. and people for sex. And um which is yeah. definitely where I tend to fall into. It's like Yeah. I think 
um, if the person, if they're caught and they're a buyer, it's like, I think your life, maybe this is me out of anger talking to you, but it's like, I think your life should be ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Considering, you know, especially if you're buying sex from a minor. Right, especially because of that. But I mean, just in general, like you're... mm. And and the other thing is like, if they're they're doing, some men, right, are doing things that are violent Mm -hmm. and that, you know, are really icky and really derogatory too. And those themselves are are crimes. And sometimes they get those things on videotapes because they're gross and they want it videotaped for themselves. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, it's <laughs> evidence. Like, it, that's what's crazy. Like they'll take that and then they upload it and then more people enjoy it. Yeah. And I think it's fine. I hate using the word enjoy that but <laughs> in that context, but it's like more people will watch it and then they become Let's buyers. just, it's, it's like saying this. I think evil can get creative and creative I think is a really horrible word, but it's also a really good word. Yeah. Cause we do, we get very creative. Yeah, you want, you want to use it for good and for emotions, but sometimes yeah. it's used for very dark purposes. Yeah. But anyways, to get back to this point, um, yeah. I don't know about everywhere, um, but uh, when I was in Seattle, Seattle started taking on this model, and I've heard that Tampa as well has started taking on this model mm. of, of starting to criminalize buyers for sex instead of people who are selling sex. That would make sense, because I know... From what I've been told from people who have been here a long time in, in the Tampa area, mm-hmm. that it has gone down the amount of people they see on the streets. Mm-hmm. Well, that also has to do with the amount of presence online. Mm. It is, it's a lot, in a sense, safer. It's not seen as much. And mm. you can be a little pickier in who you choose. I see. Within reason. Um, obviously, Backpage was taken down, but there's still Facebook... Instagram, Twitter, Craigslist. I knew you were going to say Craigslist. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm going to say Craigslist. <laughs> Surprise wasn't first. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted the big guns for last. It was the big <laughs> Craigslist is the little guns. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it, a lot of it has been moved online, and so it, it's not seen as much, but it's, it's still sense. going on. Yeah. Um, as far as getting into what we can do about it, one of them is being an advocate and uh, talking to our lawmakers and trying to bring awareness and change in that direction, mm. um, which is more of like a big task, but it also doesn't involve you getting in the trenches with people, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a very effective thing that you can do without you know having to get an education in trauma, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can talk to your mayors, your local council counselors. That doesn't sound right. Council people. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, um, people in council, like you the know, council you're... people. Does <laughs> <laughs> Hutash does not know terminology anymore? <laughs> Why can't I think of the word either? But you know, you can talk to your local senators, representatives. local representatives. <laughs> thank you. You can talk to your congressmen, your senators, congressmen. like. <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was yeah. getting up, you know. That's good. That's Council good. members, congressmen, yes, local representatives. Um, and eventually you can make local change, state change, federal change, but yeah. it needs to come from constituents reaching out and yeah. saying this is something that they care about. Yeah. But also, you know, making things into law. Uh, I think a lot of that too starts with, like, what do you do around the dinner table, to use that analogy? It's like, what do you talk about when you're there? 
I think mm. you'd be weird. Like, so like, let me, let me rephrase this. <laughs> I have not heard this before. <laughs> it's like, what do you talk about around the dinner table? And it's not like you got to have this conversation every day, but it's like, is this something that is that ever like people are it's aware a depressing of? dinner table. It is. Yeah. It's pretty rough. <laughs> There's a reason why it's not brought up. <laughs> um, and then you gotta have a, you gotta have a sad one, <laughs> but it, it, the idea of it is like, what are you doing at home to like spread awareness about these things? And t- sure. like, yeah. is it talked about? I mean, you can, you can even think about it when people talk about prostitution and they use it yeah. in a derogatory term. Like, you can already just say, hey, let's ch- change that language. Mm-hmm. That can be a really easy thing that you do. Um, I mean, there's plenty of ways to get involved. Um, there's a lot of, like, experiences that you can, uh, like, organizations that will come into, like, a church or an area mm. or, like, a school as, like, an educational purpose and you can, like, ask them to come donate money, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you can educate people about it. And so that can be, yeah. and there you could like have people come and then have people like volunteer. Right. Mm-hmm. That could be something that you do. Um, I was talking earlier, like there was this gal who used to go hiking and would take people to go hiking or mm-hmm. doing a 5k or, you know, opening up a coffee shop and donating 5% of your money. There's people yeah. who I know who open wedding dress shops and mm-hmm. they would take secondhand dresses and then would donate some of their money to like social justice mm-hmm. organizations. And it could be some of your choosing depending on the bride, if they had a place in mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can get really, really creative if you're, you know, a photographer, you can do photography for certain organizations mm-hmm. or, you know, you can, I mean, I don't know a lot about what goes on in Lakeland yet. Um, I'm newer here, but uh, I know of like the organization One More Child, and they have an Mm. or they have an aftercare facility there. They do foster care. They do a lot of really Mm. great stuff, from what I hear. Um, But you can volunteer your time. You can donate things. Like sometimes they need extra furniture. Sometimes they need extra Mm. clothes. Like there's a uh, food drives. I don't know. Like there's just a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, that you can support with, you know, without having to necessarily feel like you're getting involved. There's yeah. ways to volunteers. There's ways to educate yourself. You know, um, it really, I mean, if you want, you just look in your area and look at the local organizations mm-hmm. and figure out who they are. And then I can guarantee you if they're nonprofits, they have a need somewhere. Yeah. Like they might need someone. Oh, yeah. So part of my internship. There was these, the ladies, they would make um, bracelets mm. and they would sell these bracelets uh, when they would show up at functions or places or ed- mm. when they would educate. And these beads got so disorganized. And I s- remembered at some point I sat down for freaking hours and I sorted these <laughs> beads back for them. Like it is the most lowest menial task, but it was yeah. needed. You know what I mean? And for me, I was like, I will do anything. Like, you just yeah, tell me what absolutely. to do and I'll show up. And I mean, I did plenty more. I taught an art class. I can't draw in a straight line. I can't color in a straight line. I can't cut in a straight line. But for a whole year, mm. I did arts and crafts with these ladies and I made them feel so good. That's cool. They, their artwork was incredible. And I was <laughs> sitting cool. there and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I prepped. Pinterest is great. Pinterest helps a lot. We're going to do it together. <laughs> and we would learn and do exercises. I, I, did, I ran That's through cool. book studies. I sat through classes. I took them to horse therapy. I got to do mm-hmm. horse therapy with them. Um, 
took him to like the the doctor and the physical therapist and like you know I'd go to the house and I would like hang out take him mm. out the coffee like it was just um I mean there's a lot that you can do yeah there's a lot I mean yeah. you really like the only limit is your own head mm. like there's just but I mean, if you want to get involved, I look into local organizations or if you're involved in a church or a school or something, mm. you know, think about bringing people who are educated into teaching others or, um, yeah. you know, or thinking about fundraising money for an organization and thinking of something you love and like, mm. you know, or, you know, giving platform for people to talk about it. I, at one point when I was at school, uh, I used to do a thing called Stand for Freedom with IJ. Uh, it was like through IJM. They did that every year. They would encourage mm. college campuses to do this. And there would be at least one person standing for 24 hours on campus talking about human trafficking. Mm. And so I, I think at one point got up to like 200 students one year because I did it for like four years. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, cool. and I, and I, for the first three years, I, I did the full 24 hours cause I was, <laughs> I was, I was gung ho <laughs> and I, I had control issues. And so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would make signs and uh, this one year we had this like chain going. And so like mm. someone would write an encouraging note or a thought about it and that we would, it was like a piece of paper and we yeah. would yeah, staple yeah, yeah, yeah. it like a chain. We had this That's giant cool. chain at the end and That's cool. uh, encourage conversation and you know, yeah. and it was just, there's just, there's so many ways to care and it doesn't have yeah. to be in this big life changing way. It can be in a conversation. It can just be showing up. It can be looking into your local organizations. It could be showing up to their their fundraising events and pledging for something. It could be donating your furniture. It could be voted, mm. donating your clothes. Like It doesn't have to look or feel or do a certain way to care. Caring comes in many forms. Yeah. And so I don't yeah. want anyone to feel discouraged, you know, with such a big issue, you know, to feel like it's too big to not do something. Yeah, something small always means something. So, um, it's true. And I, I think even with, and I think this is why a lot of this is important too, even if it comes to just what conversations are you having with people around you? Mm-hmm. Not to say everyone's got to be talking about this all the time, but it's like, I, I really think every conversation should start with this. Every, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, what do you know about sex traffic? <laughs> My gosh, at that point you're like a Mormon knocking at the door. Have you yeah, heard about right. our learning? <laughs> Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. People will be running from you. Uh, no yeah. offense to the Mormons. So I don't mean uh, I don't mean do that, but <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's like there's a lot of things that we talk about, and there's a lot of things we don't talk about, mm-hmm. um, and we've allowed them become to become normalized in a lot of ways. And, I, and the one way, the one I would think about in particular is like pornography, because I I see that as such a big trend that leads people down this really, really depraved path to some degree or another. It, play, it seems to be playing some role in it. And I know my roommates and I, it's like that's an open discussion that we, we tend to talk about, and I think a lot of other people should. And I think that that should happen with a lot of these things to help build those awarenesses and to help with each other. So it's like that doesn't happen to us. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also kind of... I don't want this to come out as a low blow because I think that pornography is something it's a bit taboo to talk about Mm -hmm. while it's also being normalized. And I think that, um, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to feel shame 
but I do want to make a point that there's probably a lot less consent going into those videos than maybe what people are aware of. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a necessary thing to know. Yeah. Because um, without that consent, it can, it can just kind of feel like, should I be watching this? But yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm not trying to make someone feel bad because I think that I think that especially with how normalized it is and with how much of maybe a struggle it is for some people or not even a struggle mm-hmm. but just a normal activity, I, I would just encourage people to educate themselves about what is being consumed mm-hmm. and not because anybody should be shamed but just so that I think education is powerful. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Try to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm not quite so careful. I'm like, no, I think they, I think everyone should be shamed a little bit. I think, some, well, I think well, a little bit of shame is good sometimes. My, my talk and my opinions are very different. <laughs> that's fair. And I, my opinions aren't necessarily fair. That's why this, that's why this, this is good. Yeah, I, I know for me, it's, it's one of those things. I will say that just like a lot of other things, addiction is involved in, in, in any part of this. And it is something that is important to recognize. Um, but like anything, it comes down to who do you, where, where is your allegiance? I, I, th- I think that's the nicest way that I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm t- too far down in this drink to think of anything nicer to say. Well, I mean, you also have to think about it with addiction, like, detox is powerful. Yeah. Uh, uh, accountability is powerful. Yeah. And, you know, cold turkey doesn't necessarily always work, but there can be th- things in place to mm-hmm. be kind of like guides slash like parameters for you so that you're not doing this alone. Yeah. Because I... It's true. I want to caution against like cold turkeying it and then making yourself feel shamed or guilty because you can't... It's just it's hard to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanna... that's fair. I, I oversimplify. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to disclaim that's that. That's true. And, and, and it is one of those things that's like willpower is not enough. I'll say that too. Yeah. Willpower will only get you so far. It's a, it's a, minim, it's a, it's a uh, finite resource that we have that needs to, it takes time to regenerate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a whole, that's a big conversation right then and there, but it's a good one to have. I have a five-hour podcast, people. Yeah, I know. We're over two hours now, which is crazy. I, I <laughs> applaud anyone who is still here. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming this far. <laughs> but as we're closing this out, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to end with? Um, I, my final thought, and I think I want to go back to kind of what we were talking about as, you know, when we ask where God is in this and saying we are his response um, I, I just want to encourage everyone, you know, that while this is heavy and, and kind of how we talked about getting involved, like this, I'm already very encouraged for anyone who sat and listened to this whole thing. I am very encouraged that you cared enough to hear the truth and that I, my hope for you is that if if you have any more questions to look into it and, Mm -hmm. um, and to know that like knowing is already a very powerful tool. Yeah. 
and that, um, I mean, and there's so much to know. And I, and I also really want to encourage people, especially after listening to two hours of this, to, you know, take care of your hearts. I, I personally, I, you know, I, I'm very passionate. I care very much about this. I could probably listen to really horrific stories day in and day out, but I still have to take care of my heart and know that, like, like and to not let it get into bitterness or to anger or to, you know, all these different things that could really drag me down and, and keep me from from my goal, which is, you know, for those who are surviving in something like human trafficking, like they deserve freedom and love. And for people to experience freedom and love, I have to experience freedom and love. You can't give something you don't have. And so if you, so for you listeners, I would encourage you after this to find something that brings you joy, something small, something fun. Like Paul and I, after this, we're going to go eat a favorite childhood snack. We're just going to find something to remind us of something good because this world is good and has good and it's really good to remember something like that when you learn about really dark things so I would just and and because God is good God is good in the good in the bad when bad is happening when good is happening like he is always good and so I just I really want to encourage that and encourage you that like no problem is too big for God and you know something heavy doesn't need to be a burden so that's good because it's his it's his burden but anyways <laughs> that's good well i will say thank you everyone so much for listening thank you so much for being on here by the way thank you for having me oh it's been great <laughs> thanks for listening everyone <laughs> bye <laughs> bye